And this is a special BTB National High School Athletic Coaches Association special edition with Proactive Coaching and Rob Miller. And we want to thank the NHSACA as they're wrapping up their convention uh, in the next day or two. And yeah. also Coach and AD Magazine. And this is a special edition for those two. And we appreciate uh, their help with this. Scott, Rob, good to see you. Uh, Aaron's got a sophomore baseball game going on, so he is not here. But uh, we got Scott, and we got Rob, and oh, you got he, had, he had to reschedule that, didn't he? That was a rescheduled game. Well, that's on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that poor, that poor guy. Yeah, I think my first thing was said, "We got no umpires." Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I found it. Spares. They must have spares over in Cedar Rapids or something. Well, how many – I've heard tons of ADs that have said that they've had to cancel or they've only had one umpire for a game or have had to cancel a lot of lower-level games just because they can't find officials, so. Yeah, I just – when we we had, when we've been lucky, we we had one rain out and we were able to find somebody on an off day for that. It was a conference game, um, a non-conference game. I don't even try. I wouldn't even try. Especially this yeah. – we just have a week left in the regular season now. Sure. So – Crazy. Anyway, um, Aaron's off uh, doing baseball, and I don't have I didn't have any games today. Oh wow! Middle school or high school softball, baseball, nothing. So I'm gonna go home. So we get the home. best of the best. Balls. We get every. We get your best shot today, Todd. You That's do. You do. Yeah, that I'm so relaxed that I just I don't know. I'll fall asleep <laughs> on you, Rob, but it won't be because of you. <laughs> That's the day it is. <laughs> Hey, I'm glad to, I'm glad to have you back, Rob, for round two here. And uh, yeah. it's more today. It's great to be back, and you know we do appreciate this series we've done, and and you know being with you guys the last two, and when we did three others, so it's just been kind of fun to be able to present some concepts and ideas to to all the coaches out there who do such a great job, and we sure do appreciate the National High School Athletic Coaches Association for all they do. Absolutely. Well, I'll. Get, I'll Rob, I'll, I'll introduce you, um, and then we'll kind of get right into it. But Rob is a motivational speaker for proactive coaching. Along with Bruce Brown, Rob uses his speaking skills and coaching knowledge to promote the proactive coaching mission of helping coaches positively impact their athletes' lives. His experience gives him an amazing view of the status of the modern-day coaching and parenting of our student-athletes today. And like uh, Todd already said, thanks for being with us, Rob. And we'll just dive right in. And uh, I, I've loved to, to read your read your articles, read, um, you know, the 15 traits of natural leaders. And in your article this month, you know, you talk about, you know, those other those 15 traits. But you kind of talk about, you know, discuss a little bit about what you're looking for and that for those leaders who have to place that truth over that popularity. And just talk to our listeners about how 
our coaches or athletic directors or just athletic leaders in general can kind of identify these leadership traits in our in our student athletes. You know, it's it's one thing I think we're really I think it's really separated leadership over the last 15, 20 years is that who's who's doing it for popularity? Who's doing it for a resume builder? Yep. Who's do, who wants to be called a leader? I don't care if it's a coach. I don't care if it's a, a captain on a team just because they want it on their resume to put on an application versus being a true leader. Right. And so I think that leadership part is so key to it, that truth part of it. And I think the thing that that comes across for people is it's genuine. Yeah. People can see the truth because it's natural. It's a gen. There's nothing. They don't have to think through things. They're just acting on who they are based on their principles and convictions versus have to think through every situation. And I think that's a great way to kind of identify it as well. Who is they walk into a tough situation and they're truthful as Bruce puts it. I love this. He says, you know, the great thing about integrity and truth is this. It doesn't make your life any easier, but it makes it simpler. Yeah. You're going to have the same amount of dilemmas, but you follow the same process based on your convictions and principles. So I think one way I identify that is the people who want to kind of be looked at right are always changing those principles and convictions so they kind of see what the political how it looks politically for them and how it creates a popularity for them. When people are genuine, honest, and true, say, here's my process, here's how I walk through it. That's how I see it. I love that quote. Integrity and truth don't make our life easier, but it makes it simpler. That's so true. Yep. That's great. That's yep. fantastic. Well, something that I try to do every day is laugh, and sometimes that's all you can do is laugh. Um, at some of the comments and situations you get into, and I don't need to shake your head anymore, but um, let's talk about humor. Robin, why do you think humor is so important uh, in our leadership? You know, I'm going to start with a great story when I was coaching basketball. And I think it, it enables to diffuse things. And I'm a young coach, and I'm on the bench, and Angelo Gust, who is a baseball college baseball coach, is co- referee in our game. And I scream out and go, Angelo, that was a travel. He quietly walks over to me and he says, Rob, that was a travel, three seconds, double dribble, and probably a foul, too. I didn't know which one to call, so I just let it go. And I instantly just started laughing because humor in the right spot can diffuse so much, you know, because if you do look at things, they're not, you know, Dean Smith's quote, right? If everything was life and death, we'd be dead a lot. You know, it's not. It's, you know, take a step back and it's got to be done right. But when humor is done right, it's just able people to relax them and allow them to, to be themselves. And, and I'll always remember that as a young coach to say, I, as a young coach, I needed to hear that. You know, settle yeah. down. It's okay. Right. Yep. I want to follow up because I think one thing that I want to talk about sarcasm, the difference between humor and sarcasm. And I know there's times where I have, I mean, ashamedly so, made a sarcastic comment to a, a student athlete and tried to be funny. And it's not funny. And I learned from that over the years just to put the sarcasm away, maybe save it for the Friday night after parties with coaches or whatever at home. But with kids, I just think, especially when I was younger, I was trying to be too sarcastic and thinking I was being funny. 
and they might smile a little bit, but then later it's just like, you know, that's just dumb. And so just maybe the difference between those two, and maybe it's just, we have to learn it sometimes. I think two of the best thoughts is this. Kids live with our words for a lifetime. What do you want them to remember? And there's going to be humorous moments we can all laugh. But if we're going at them, you know, another great Bruce phrase is this, never embarrass a willing learner. And yeah. when sarcasm turns to embarrassment, now we're going to have, we're going to have a tough time ever bringing them back, ever bringing them back from that. And so, so I agree with you. Humor is one thing that lightens the mode. Sarcasm is trying to put a little knife into it, you know, putting a little knife in the back. And that's never going to go over with kids. You're right. There's there's times when we're on the golf course, we could be really sarcastic, right? You know, I mean, you know, that is the worst swing I've ever seen. <laughs> Things like, and it's true, and we can have fun with it. But that's that's set aside for those moments when you're with truly friends, and it's a, not a moment where you're going to embarrass somebody in front of in front of their other yeah. peers. Kids live with our words for a lifetime. That's a great thing to remember. Thank you. Yeah, that's perfect. So, Rob, we all know how important dedication is to being an effective leader. So why is it so important to have that never give up mentality as a, as a leader, as a coach? You know, and just one of those things. Athlete, really, you know. Yeah. The moment we in a leadership position, I don't care if it is coach or your leader on your team, right? The moment they back off and say, we have no chance, then everybody has that excuse. Everybody can walk away and say, there's no reason. And I'll give you the perfect example. And I'll be honest, I watched more NBA this year than I've watched in the last 15 years. And I, I, I'm thinking it's because I don't see that much difference between Division One and NBA anymore. I'm not sure what it is. But, but I watch a lot of it. But, you know, that's the one thing you say about Steve Kerr and, and the Warriors. He, he never shows this give-up mentality because they could have gave up seven times this year. And they, no, we're going to just play our game and let that come forward. And I think even when you're overmatched, even when you know you're not going to, you know, that game, you're, you're all talented in every spot. To say, we're not going to give up, we're going to play to our potential, is what we have to do as leaders. Because that's going to show them, guys, there's days where it's not always going to be, you know, great, great for us. But if we keep pushing through... We may not win today, but it's going to help us win tomorrow. And that's what that never mentality is important about. Because um, if we have to, if we buckle down at every hurdle that comes across as a, as a leader, how many hurdles have we come across in the last three years in high school athletics and college athletics? We'd be buckled to our knees right now. We just have to keep going. Yeah, yeah I think to me, what I've seen the last few years, especially, is. Coaches having to probably work with that attitude of we don't have a chance. I I just don't I don't see you know why try and I mean the great teams the great coaches they go out and compete and that's again part of why we try to do an education based athletics is don't give up and no matter what the outcome might be but just compete against yourself you know let it make you yeah. better and that's what I've tried to help our coaches do and the kids when I hear the kids say it I, I do the same thing but they don't say it around me much anymore because I don't see them anymore but um, that's the biggest one of the biggest things I've seen our coaches have to battle and you know I think you know you guys have seen these studies too 
yeah. that are coming out that winning and losing don't matter as much no. more to our kids because why the whole select sport world you're gonna you're guaranteed six games when you go to a tournament it doesn't matter if you're in six or six and oh you're playing the next game you know and that's a different mentality than when we came through and you know i think about when i went to the park on on every night you better win that first game because if you don't win that first game, you're going to be sitting for about four hours before you get a chance to get back on the court. And and if so, if we're not focusing in on being our best, if winning and losing aren't going to matter so much anymore, then let's make sure reaching potential does matter. And that's that never give up mentality. Rob, in your article, you also talk about athletic assuredness. Athletic assuredness. Can you talk to us about what that means? as an athletic leader? You know, I think another way is just you're, you're confident in your approach. You're confident in the people you're leading and it shows in everything you do. Um, you're never in a point of, you know, I think a lot of people create their own drama, right? Because that athletic assurance, everything becomes, a, you know, you have to have a crisis about everything, you know, and or, or they do this, you know, they turn their problem into our crisis. That's what that's what people that I don't call them leaders, but they're, they if you let people impact you like that, you've got to be able to walk in and have this assurance. Guys, we're prepared. We're ready. Doesn't matter what they bring at us. If they come out hot, we're OK. You know, kind of goes hand in hand. What we talked about, never give up mentality. But it's not a arrogance, but it's a. I'll use the word swagger for lack of a better word. Yep. It's a swagger and insurance of like, we're where we're supposed to be at the right time at the right place. We're okay. We're okay. I'll, I'll share a story. One team that I'm working with is uh, University of Central Florida softball. And they had a great year this year. I think their final record was like 49 and 17. And they hosted a regional one. It went to the super regional and they got, um, they got Oklahoma. So they had to go to Oklahoma to play in the super regional. And they lose two games. Actually, they played them probably as well as anybody did, but they lost two games to them. And afterwards in the press conference, these kids were sad and the coach was sad. But their whole confidence level was, we're right where we need to be, even though we just lost a couple of games. This sets us up not for just today. This sets our program up for the future. And I think that's a huge statement. When you have an assurance about you, it's not just about today. It's for where you're going with the future of what's coming in your program, with your team, with your school, wherever you're headed. Yeah. Yep. So, Rob, in the in the article, you discuss looking for people who can follow as well as lead, and we all know as as leaders that is that's really important. But what does that look like on teams with the championship culture? And then conversely, what does that look like on teams that lack that positive culture? I, I think it looks like on the championship culture, it looks like this. One, I'm your leader, but we're all take a start to lead here. Just because I'm the coach, that doesn't mean my kids can't come up to me and give me thoughts, wisdom, advice, guidance based on what they see, and I'm willing to take it. It's not, it's my way or the highway. It's, we're going down this road, I'm leading us down this road, but if you've got any way we can make this go faster down this road, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's bring this up. And I think too many times we don't allow that to happen. Uh, championship teams allow that to happen. They allow everybody to have input. And, you know, it's the Pat Summit quote, right? One of the most powerful yeah. weapons you can give a team is ownership. 
And so even though we're a leader and we're directing it, we're able to give ownership to those people on our team so they can have voices and opinions into this that allow us to get better so we see it from a different perspective every day. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that championship teams. Yeah. This leads to ownership by everybody. Yeah. That's good. And the negative side of it, it it's it's the, my way or the highway, maybe one way to look at it. But I also think it's this. I'm the leader and I want to lead my team. But in my other position as a coach, I'm also a team member of the athletic department. But I don't want to buy in to be a teammate to the athletic department. I want my own program. I want everything my way. And I'm not going to support any other of the programs around me. I'm just going to focus on me and be on my own island. And I'm one of these coaches, so I can say this. We make the worst teammates because we become so focused on our team, which isn't a bad thing. But we have to open up and understand we're going to follow. And we can't ask the people following us. Not to gripe and complain when a tough decision is made. If we turn around and gripe and complain when an administrator above us makes a tough decision. Doesn't mean we have to agree with it, but we can't become that negative voice piece that we're asking our players not to do at the same time. Okay, so my next question as an athletic leader then, we all kind of have those coaches who are like that, right? And they're ultra competitive and and just see their program. What are some things we can do to keep trying to bring them in? Because they get a lot out of kids, but they just don't contribute a lot to the overall program of the athletic department. What can we do to to help guide them and see that without coming down so hard on them all the time? Yeah. You know, one thing is, I think, you know, the one thing that goes into it, right, is is who do we hire? And we got we got to do our due diligence in the hiring process to make sure we're bringing in team players in that way. And that's not always easy. You know, you can even get them. And here's the other thing. Even if they've been a team player where they were comfortable before, if they walk into your program and they're not comfortable right away, they might not buy in right away because they're not quite sure where they stand right away. You know, just because it's a new environment for them. So, one, how are we hiring them? But then two, I think, and you guys have both heard me say this before, and it holds true for, as an athletic director, this holds true for our team, which is our coaching staff. We have to provide them action statements as well. We tell our athletes, I don't want t-shirt slogans, I want action statements. We got to tell the coaches, here's what a coach looks like in our department. You know, they support other programs. They do this. And how are you going to embrace that? So right from the beginning, we show them this is the expectation. And two, we ask them, how are you going to do that? And then come, Todd, I think you have to come to the assessment. You're not doing this well. We need you to to do it better. You know, we love the fact what you're getting out of kids, but it's bigger than that. Because I think this is the big thing that maybe helps them. A lot of us have multi-sport kids, multi-activity kids even. Don't even say sport, multi-activity kids. And if they're getting this this individualism, we're one team, we're not worried about anybody else in my program, but then in your two programs, they're getting this broader perspective. Kids are walking out going confused. And we got to show kids have to have, we don't have to have the same coaching and leadership style, but we do have to have a commonality that brings us all together. Because if kids are getting different leaderships, they're getting different messages by different leaders, we, we're not helping anybody's program. We're Thank killing them. That, that, that was a great follow-up. 
So we must have made this one up, Scott, this question, because I, I don't know either of us that have been in this situation. But I'm going to – I'll ask it. I'm just going to have to read it verbatim because I don't know how to expand on it. Anyway, how do leaders deal with complaints? What And what strategies can we use to help overcome those energy vampires that just want to keep sucking the life out of us? Then they're there, right? They're there in every program. I I think the key thing is, you know, and I'll I'll phrase it this way. When I talk to young coaches, one thing I always try to bring up is, and and I'm going to use the parents as an example, but it goes beyond parents, okay? It goes beyond, it's not just parents. It's other coaches. It's kids in our program. It's everything. Focus on the 99%, not the 1%. And so I'm starting with the latter part of your question, okay? How do you deal with those energy vampires? Um. Focus on the people that bring you energy. And, and, you know, if you look at it, 80% of the people you work with, athletes, parents, whoever it is, other coaches, they're not going to be any issues for you. You know, there's probably some you want to get more involved. You want them to take, want to, you want them to get engaged because they give you more energy. 19% of people you might have some issues with, but here's the key on the first part. If you have great standards that are highly articulated, and you have good communication, they won't be a bother to you. Then comes the 1% who's the energy vampire. You need to protect yourself from that energy vampire. So let's go back to the first one, complaints. I think how you do that, guys, here's things I'm open to talking to you about, and here's things I'm not open to talking to you about. Okay? These, are, these, are, these are things that are kind of off the table, and this is over here. Yeah. Second part is the process with it. You know, I'm willing to talk, and, and, and I'll use the parent situation again as a coach. I'm willing to talk to you, but not after the game. You need to set up an appointment just like if I was coming to talk to you at your office, call and set an appointment. The other thing is your child will be present when I'm talking to you. Because if you set the boundaries and what we're going to talk about, then if people come talk to you, they're probably coming to talk to you because there's an issue. And now I need to take this seriously and have a really good talk. But if they're going outside those boundaries, it's just because they want to be that energy vampire. And then you have to make sure you have administrators, whoever's above you. If you're a coach, the AD, an AD, the the principal, principal, superintendent, whoever it is, they're going to help protect you on those energy vampires that they don't constantly come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. And that's that's the key, right? It's easy to say, don't let the 1% bother you. But when they're hounding you every day, it, it's hard to do that for young coaches. Older coaches, we've kind of learned how to deal with it. Young coaches, it drives them out of the profession way too quick. They need to talk. They all need to get a mentor coach, yeah. a mentor leader in their life. And, and one of my phrases lately is this, and I'm encouraging young professionals, leaders, coaches, seek wisdom, not always advice. Because I can come to you two and seek advice. How would you handle this situation? And you'll tell me how to handle it, and that's good. But what I really need is wisdom. How should I handle this process of this decision so that when you two are gone, I still have this for my future? And we really need to seek wisdom out a lot anymore, and that helps us in both these areas. How do other people handle it that have really been well, really done well with it? Another really... Well, just kind of flip the coin a little bit, but the vampires don't make us grateful. But why is it important for us to be grateful as a leader? 
Yeah. It brings energy. It brings a passion. When we stay grateful, people look at us and say, what's different about them? What they bring today? And it kind of falls hand in hand with my favorite Frosty Western quote, right? Enthusiasm brings energy. Energy brings effort. Effort brings extra effort. Extra effort brings excellence. It kind of starts with that enthusiasm. And when do you have enthusiasm? When you're grateful. You walk into a situation and go, how good is this? You know? How how good is this? And, you know, I, I laughed. I was with a bunch of spring coaches from Michigan the other day, and I said, you know, how was your spring weather? <laughs> you know? It was horrible because it was for you guys in Iowa too, right? But you know what? You still got the chance to compete. And I think we have to walk in. You used a word a little while ago, Todd, that I, I think we all have to look at is perspective. Mm-hmm. And perspective brings us gratitude because how great is it we get to do something with athletics and with kids? That should be great. Yeah, there's issues, but that should be something we're grateful for every day. And one of the things I tell leaders all over, leaders can't have bad days. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be challenges every day. But when you walk in with your group, you have to walk in and be thankful you're there so they see that. Because if you're having a bad day, they can have a bad day. We can't bring that bad days forward. We got to show them. And the other part about perspective is this. Is it really a bad day? Because remember, those athletes you're coaching, the best two hours they may have is when they're with you in practice. They call home bad. Some parents getting cancer. Some siblings addicted to something. That's bad. This is awesome. Be grateful for that opportunity every single day, even if it's wind chill 22 below and the wind's blowing at 60 miles per hour and you're throwing the javelin. Be grateful you're not catching the javelin. Be grateful. (laughs) That's right. Scott, we got you. So, yep, sorry. Rob, Rob, I just want to thank you for for being a part of this. Uh, This has been super fun. And and as I've been at the the NASCA conferences this week and, you know, had the opportunity to have Todd and Aaron both come and speak to, to coaches and athletic directors, as well as hearing athletic directors and coaches from all over the country, which is absolutely awesome opportunity to hear all, all the great things that our coaches and the, the that are doing for our student athletes. But not only that, but the impact, you know, um, that our coaches have on our student athletes is, is absolutely uh, amazing. And uh, mm-hmm. one thing I'll never forget was having Bruce come to uh, little old Monona, Iowa back in 1999 and, and really having him flip my mindset of what this coaching thing is really all about. And I just said this the other day, I don't know where I would be as a coach had I not had the opportunity to meet Bruce and, and, and learn from him and as well as, as Rob um, in this crazy world that, that we call athletics and, and especially in the high school and youth, youth kind of area. But um, I've learned so much and, I continue to learn uh, each and every day. And as, as I reflect on this conference, our coaches love our kids. Our athletic directors love our kids. And what an awesome profession that we have to make a, a, a positive impact on the lives of kids uh, across the country. But then they go on and make impacts on, on kids, whether they're coaches or whether they become lawyers or doctors or, or whatever they become in the future. 
um, how much of a huge impact that we can have as coaches to to make a, a positive impact. On I think we might have lost him there in that profound thought that he was giving us right there. Oh, did you lose me? Oh. Yeah, I think we lost Scott there a little bit. He had a great thought going. Yep. He did. I would just concur with his thought, though, and just say, when you think about it, and I've said this too, you know, coaches this unbelievable impact. And, and I told a group of, of parents this the other night, you know, we can disagree with coaches' decisions. Right. We can disagree with them. And sometimes you're right because it was a wrong decision. It was a bad decision. But my 40 years, since I was 18 years old and left high school athletics to kind of get into this as an athlete, but then also as coach administrator, whatever, for the last 40 years, I've never seen a coach make a decision they thought was in the worst interest of a kid or a program. Every person's making a decision they hope benefits the athlete, benefits the team to go forward. And that's the impact right. of coaches. They're always looking for what's best. And it doesn't always for work sure. out, for sure. but they're always looking for what's best. We lost you. Yeah, must have been lost uh, me. <laughs> convention center Wi-Fi or something. <laughs> No, you had a great thought going. Do you want to finish that? Rob kind of jumped in on it too. Just to finish up, it's just it's been awesome to to have the opportunity to see all of our coaches here and the impact that they're having on student athletes across the country. It really really affirms the work um, that not only our coaches and ads, but also affirms the work that Rob and and Bruce do each and every day to help coaches and athletic directors, you know, make a positive impact. So thank you, Rob, for everything you do. I know you continue to make a difference in the lives of, of coaches. And uh, please pass on my my best to Bruce and um, just have really thought of him as a mentor throughout my career and uh, a huge positive influence on me. So proactive well, we coaching has been uh, very much a part of my, my career as an athletic administrator. We just throw that back and make sure you tell everybody down there at the convention, you know, the National High School Athletic Athletic Coaches Association does a lot, and we appreciate them, and we just look forward to what we can all accomplish together, no matter what our role is, as we continue. Yeah. As long as we keep those athletes first in our mind, you know, that's what we're striving right. for. What a great impact we all have. Well, thank you. Yeah, Thanks again, no Rob. Doubt. Thanks, Scott, uh, setting us up for the NHSACA for Coaching AD Magazine. Yeah. I can't add anything more. Keep those kids first. Thanks, coaches and ADs, for all that you do uh, for all of our kids. Thanks uh, for joining us. We'll see you again next time. Be blessed, everyone.